Welcome to Why in the World. My name is Ben Shepard. Today, a slightly different episode. If you've ever done a long distance race or an endurance race in your life, you'll know that you do make mates along the way. Today, we will basically hear a race report of my first ever 50 mile ultra marathon with a guy I met along the way. His name is Tom Duthie and he is on Why in the World. Bit of a different episode this week. Uh, myself and Tom actually met during a ultra race, a 50 mile race, the Shropshire Way Ultra. I thought it would be a nice way of recounting both of our experiences to sit down yes. and just have a little bit of a chat about it. Yeah, so me and Ben shared a common experience, which I'd, I'd say Ben will agree with me on this one, was extremely painful. Yes, yes. And probably a little bit insane as well. Yeah. Like, Maybe slightly more painful for you than me. Particularly with a little bit of an injury you faced, which we'll get into a little bit later yeah, on, I'm sure. Definitely. To start with, mate, let's just uh, get into how you started running. So I started running about two years ago. Um, I think for the reason that a lot of people start running, I was extremely unhealthy. I was smoking a lot of cigarettes. Um, I was a little bit tubby. And I thought, do I really want to carry on living like this? Do I want to be using an inhaler just for walking up the street? Do I want to be in probably like 20 sausage rolls a week. That's too much, that's too many sausage rolls for anyone. <laughs> so I thought, I've got to change my general lifestyle, what I'm eating, what I'm doing, what better way than to start running. So I thought I'll join a fitness class because near me about 20 minutes, 20 minutes from where I live, they would do like a boxing style circuit sort of fitness class. Okay. And I knew there was a little bit of running in that. So I thought the best way I could start was just, just with these short distances. So I went to that class and I'd say I regretted going about 30 seconds after I walked in the door of the gym. <laughs> um, I think I had to do like a 5k run that day, which didn't end well. I pretty much walked most of it. But that was pretty much the, the beginning of my journey into running, Ben. What has running sort of bought you? Has it given you confidence? Yeah, 100%, definitely. I think when you're out of shape and you're unfit, you don't really have a very good self-esteem, I think. Yeah, I think I had a bit of a bruised ego because mm. a lot of my friends were quite active and I just pretty much, over the years, while they were getting fit, doing sport, playing football, playing rugby, I was pretty much just smoking, drinking and sitting very still. On Why do you think you went down that path then to start with? Um, I don't know. I feel like when, you, when people begin school and stuff like that at a young age, people who are good at sport and excel at sport, they're the only ones that are encouraged to do sport and then they're sort of led in the right directions mm. um, but whereas I'm not naturally athletic or very good at sport which meant I wasn't really encouraged to do anything so I didn't really ever see myself as a fitness person or someone that could be good at running I kind of looked in other directions I'd like I don't know I, would, I just wasn't a very fit healthy person and I didn't I didn't ever see myself as a healthy person until I got older but um, I think a lot of people they put themselves in a box that they're not a fit person, they're not a healthy person, they're not capable of running, swimming, doing anything, anything active. But um, it's just about realising that anyone can do it, anyone can get fit, anyone can lose weight. But yeah, yeah, the best way to start is just to just to go out there. And it's nerve-wracking at first to, to, to go to a fitness class or something like that, but eventually it could lead to anything. Like for me now, I'm doing the distances I've always wanted to do. So, so from that first fitness class, how did that progress? Um, so obviously I started with that run, as I said, at that fitness class and I struggled. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I'd walk. Um, I think I quit for most of them the first few weeks. 
Um, and then I thought, I'm going to try and run myself without a class or anything like that. And I remember the first one, um, there was this route near where I live, like in the countryside. And a lot of people would do the same run. And I remember the first time I did it, I was, I got a really bad stitch. I was out of breath and someone lapped me. Right. And at that point, I, and they were a lot older than me. It's the worst old. feeling in the world, oh, isn't it? Isn't it, man? Isn't it? So um, they lapped me and I walked and I was like, oh, I've got to sort this out. So then I pushed myself and pushed myself, pushed myself. And eventually I'd done a half marathon, uh, then a full marathon. And then I thought I'm going to I'm gonna have to do something. I feel like your story in terms of what I found out about you when we were running was a little bit bonkers because you have progressed very quickly yeah. to distance, to <laughs> sort of that long, long distance. You've gone straight from a marathon to a 50-mile ultra. Yeah. It's so stupid. Yeah. That is a big jump. What sort of made you even consider doing that? Um, so pretty much, I think a lot of it comes from, it's like an ego thing. Okay. <laughs> I was. I always... People always saw me as an unfit person, or at least that's how I thought other people perceived me. So, as I like get higher distances and and quicker and stuff, I get like a sense of achievement, and people people give me praise for it and that. So I thought, I've done this marathon. I want to prove to people now that I can do do a fifty miler. But yeah, <laughs> it's probably a little bit stupid. What do your parents think about this? Like when you came in, you said, "Mum, Dad, I'm gonna run fifty miles." What do they say? I think they pretty much a little bit used to my madness by now but okay. even the, even for them it was a little bit of a shock I think my dad said I probably couldn't do it he said he said you've, you've only ran two marathons and this was in probably a month before I'd done the 50 miler <laughs> so he said you probably can't do it and I was like again the ego thing I was like I can do it I can 100% do it I'm going to prove to everyone that I can do it and I did you did but <laughs> yeah with uh, probably at the price of a dodgy knee for the rest of my life. Nah, you'll be alright. Um, let's get into that 50 mile race then. Um, I bumped into Tom sort of around mile five, right. I reckon, of yeah. that race. And uh, we ran together for, for a little bit and just sort of chatted about how we both got into it. We had a chat to each other, just like generic, just sort of back and forth. Hello, how are you? What's it your was. name? How old are you? Because that's something I actually do want to touch on briefly is make a super young. Yeah. Super young. What are you, 21? Yeah, 21. Turned 21 in February. So like most people that are doing ultra running and stuff are 30 plus, 40 plus. Right, like you don't yeah. reach your athletic peak till what, you're like 35, 36. Yeah, so to be right, doing it yeah. at this age is pretty bonkers really. And if you just run 50 miles a few weeks ago, yeah, where are you going to go from there? I know what you mean actually, because I've sort of ticked a massive achievement in terms of running off the list when I've literally just started running. So I don't know where I'm going to be in a few years now. I think I'm going to have to do something even more more insane. Talk to me about that feeling at the start line of that race. Before we bumped into each other, before you got the first sort of segment out of the way, how did you feel? I think I was a little bit nervous and I thought, what's going to happen to my body? Am I going to, am I going to get an injury? And it was just all like quite similar to any feeling you have at the beginning of a, beginning of a race. I was a bit worried about because you know when you get twinges training for a race mm. I was just thinking about them and I thought when's that going to kick in is that going to be alright 
But I wasn't really thinking about the distance, were you? Were you thinking about how broad like, the 50 miles was going to be? It was a strange feeling because I'd never really felt like that before because I was on my own there as well before the start of the race. Kind of like you were looking around, you were chatting to a few different people. Yeah, you people. didn't really have a team for no, most No, not, of it, not at the start. I thought and that was, was mad. It was just, um, it was kind of like, a, it was a very family feel, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was quite a friendly atmosphere, I think. I just kept telling myself, don't go off too quickly. Yeah. Don't go off too quickly because I always go off too and fast. I think we both did. Yeah, we definitely did. In fact, I remember seeing you because you had that pair of sunglasses. <laughs> to the, front. the reason that I remember it is because it was hammering it down, blowing an absolute gale, and you had a pair of sunglasses. <laughs> I was like, this geezer oh, thinks God. that it's going to be a nice day. I guess in so for a much. shock. <laughs> I guess so much stick for those glasses for those glasses it looked like I was about to go for a walk like across the beach or yeah something. it did the first little segment so the first what was supposed to be seven and a half miles was basically through silage fields grass was, up yeah. to your knees it was wet it was it was cold it was I feel like a little bit of a baptism of fire actually yeah. for the rest of the race was there any point at the start of the race you thought what the hell are you doing Tom I sort of got that feeling a little bit do you remember just as you came out of Ellesmere and you, you know the first loop yeah back to Ellesmere you know there was that one bit where you come up a proper steep grass hill yeah and like some people were jogging up it some people, some people were walking that was when I thought damn what what am I doing because this isn't going to be a road race this isn't going to be anything flat I'm going up hills and I'm going I'm going through the mountains and stuff and I was like I've got to do this for 50 miles mm. so it sort of dawned on me then how hard it was going to be I remember looking at my watch at about four and a half miles and thinking I've still got like way over 10 times that to do yeah and just thinking oh yeah. no your head, your head sort of does that doesn't it it sort of like does the maths and it never really helps you, but it also it always finds a way of telling you how hard it's going to be, mm. do you know what I mean? It was definitely brutal. That first seven and a half miles then, we bumped into each other, had a little bit of chat, and then actually didn't see you till probably about mile 18 or 19 right. on a climb. Where it all went wrong. Where it all went wrong. Because I um, I actually ended up going a bit wrong, about yeah, three and a half miles I wrong. Think, then, probably about 300 miles when everyone else only did 50. I kept looking at my watch and saying to people, oh, I'm on this distance. And they're like, mate, that's like five miles less than we've done. So I basically ended up going wrong into checkpoint one. Um, that was so gutting for you because yeah. I remember because Ben sped off and I thought I'm not going to see him now for the rest of the race. And then coming up this climb through the woods, I was like, I heard someone shout all right. I was like, what? I was like, no, he's gone wrong. And I could tell you were devastated, but you weren't yeah. really... I could no, tell you were a little bit irritated, but you'd, you weren't, you weren't going to make you stop. Or I feel like, kind of like how you were, I think. I just wanted to get around. Yeah. I'd never done that distance before. I'd done a few longer runs in terms of like sub 40 runs, so like 36, 37, right. but I'd never done 50. And I feel like the discrepancy between 30-something and 50 is very big. Really? I mean, the discrepancy between 26.2, like you yeah. had done, and 50 must have felt bonkers. Yeah, it was um, it, it was insane. At what point of that race, what mile did you feel that then? Did you feel this is a lot harder than, than what I'd so I felt pretty good till about, probably about 35. Really? Yeah, I felt all right did till about 35. Did you feel awful 35? No. No? No, I didn't feel awful until I hit 50. Right. So on the way back, there's basically a long canal stretch. Uh, yeah, about five miles down that canal, that last little bit, yeah, it hit me. Because Isn't in my head... Yeah, definitely or, both. Yeah. Because in my head, 
I had already done the 50 miles. Of course, yes. You knew then that what you were doing now was a was little like bit relevant to the goal. And there was this one part, wasn't there, at the end where you were going through, what, this like barley field or something. Yeah. And there was like basically just like a moan track through the middle oh, of the barley yeah. field. And like I was in a dark place. Really? I was How in are you a feeling? dark, oh, awful. Like, just like what awful. were you thinking? Just get through it. I do remember um, just before that, I was running just behind somebody and I was just staring at their heels and I was just going like self-encouragement. Go on, Ben, you can do yeah, it. Well right, done, Ben, yeah, you're doing yeah. great. Well done. And then sort of you have like a higher, more motivated self then, don't you? Yeah. Like telling you what to do. For sure. And that's something that I, look, I'm not going to say I was shocked that you got it done because I'm not at all because I could tell like how much you wanted it oh, when yeah. we first met. But you were in a bad place from about, mile 15 or yeah, 16 was, like you were really suffering with an injury it was probably not even probably it was 100% the most pain I've ever felt in my entire life times 10 and I think the pain in my knee was just so severe it was just it was like I don't know what had happened but it was pretty much at the point where if I wasn't stretching it out fully if I wasn't fully extending my knee I was in too much pain to run which meant I was running pretty much. It looked like I had a wooden leg, like a pirate that was doing a marathon, and which meant... Give him an eye patch. Yeah, if I, if I had an eye patch, it would look like I was like doing one, like a fancy dress for charity. But um, no, my leg was just, my knee was just in absolute pieces. So I was fully extended my left leg and pretty much running just on my right leg, um, which then meant I was taking all the weight of my body on my right leg so then my right knee started to suffer as well. So then I was running on pretty much two straight legs. Yeah. So I looked a bit mad doing that. But How yeah, did you uh, keep yourself going? The, the one thing that I was thinking, I'm going to sound like a little bit of like an egotist or something, but I was thinking, i got to prove to people that I can do this. I can't go home and speak to my mates and tell them that I failed. I can't let people know. Because I'd spoke so much about it and I told so many people. I knew that I had to do it no matter what. Um, after Oswald Street Racecourse, which was the second, no, third checkpoint. Third checkpoint, yeah. Third checkpoint. Um, it was raining, it was extremely windy, we were on top of this mountain, and pretty much everyone had overtaken me. And then I'd left the checkpoint, and my parents were at the checkpoint, so they saw me run off. And I was just coming over this grass bit, and I was literally in so much pain, I literally fell on the floor, and I was on my back in a puddle, with the rain pouring onto my face, just completely soaked. And my dad ran over, because he could see me from the road, and he said, come on, let's go, we've got to get you in the car, you can't do this, this is stupid, uh, you've had enough, you're not going to be able to do it, you've still got all these miles to go. I think, how many miles was that? Probably another 25? Yeah, a long way. And I could hardly walk, genuinely could hardly walk. And then he picked me up, and he said, right, come on, let's get in the car. So I started walking with him. I said, oh, I'll quit then, yeah, I give up. And I started walking back to the car. And then I saw four men that were running together. They were from, most of them were from Birmingham. I think one was from Manchester. There was Alex Taylor. There was Paul Rose, I think his name was. There was another guy, but I can't remember his name. He was a massive help as well. So they were running behind me, and I was hobbling back to the car with my arm around my dad. And I go, lads, I'm quick, go on, go on, go on. Because I'd spoke to them previously, just a little bit, at the beginning of the race. And they were like, oh, all right, mate, yeah, it's the best thing you can do, and all this. So they ran off, and then I said to Dad, look, I can't. I've got to carry on going, I've got to carry on going. So then 
I ran, I started running again, and Dad was like, are you sure this is a bit stupid? And he was shouting to this, shouting this to me as I was running on. So I caught up with these lads, these Birmingham lads, and they were like, what are you doing? <laughs> they were like, you were just on your back a minute ago. They were like, you're going to do self-permanent damage, why are you doing this? You probably shouldn't do this and all this. But anyway, I followed them. It was agonising trying to keep up with them. But I knew if I lost them, I would be in big trouble because I was in the middle of nowhere and I'd be on my own if I couldn't go on. Um, and it'd be hard for anyone to find me. But I managed to keep up with them. And then we went through another 25 miles of pure, pure hell um, with these guys. Eventually, they'd... Because to begin with, they were a little bit like, you shouldn't be doing this. And then when they realised that I wasn't going to stop, they started helping me. And they were like, come on, you can do this. And then they were giving me the motivation. And at one point, I think it was Paul that said... You do realise now we've come so far. If you quit now, we've got to quit with you because we mm. can't leave you here. Which then meant I had another reason to carry on because if I quit, they would have had to have quit as well. I remember the second time that I saw you during the race, I actually said to you, don't hurt yourself permanently. And <laughs> right. like I really thought to myself afterwards, ah, you shouldn't have said that because you then put yeah. self-doubt into someone's were, head, don't you? What you were doing though, you were just being... I was just going to be kind, you know. You You were being caring because it looked ridiculous and I shouldn't have been going, really. Mm. Medically and health-wise, I should not have been going. And you were were 100% right to say that. I would have said it to anyone. You were certainly incredibly mentally strong in that moment to keep going. Yeah. And then once once I decided that I wasn't going to quit, my body gave me so much more. And I've heard heard a lot of ultra runners say this before, and I didn't realise the pain barrier was an actual thing. But I'll tell anyone who's going into ultra running... If you're at that point where I was of pure agony and despair and you, were, you had a million reasons to quit, if you push through that, your mind knows you're not going to stop. You will get a second wind and you'll get a lot more energy. So once I realised that I wasn't going to quit, I ran and I ran a lot faster for a lot longer of a period of time. I think that must have been an adrenaline thing. And I had a mad, I remember saying to one of the guys, this is the best feeling I've ever had, knowing that I'm not going to quit now. Mm. And I had this mad endorphin rush where I just felt on top of the world. And then once that had died down, then I was experiencing the pain again. But, um, but I knew I was only five, six miles away from the finish line, so there was no way I was going to stop. I feel like the mind is very strong sometimes when the body just wants to give up. Sometimes people feel a little bit of pain in the gym. They've been on the treadmill right. 10 minutes, get a little bit of sweat, a little bit of a flush on, and they're like, no, nah, I'm just going to give this up. Yeah, now. that's 100% right. If you just push through it, though... Yeah, that's There's another level. There is. There's another level, and that, that's when you get. That's when you start to get better. Because a lot of a lot of people are under the illusion that running is going to be fun and easy. It's going to be hard. If it's easy, you're not doing it. You're not going to be getting any any benefit from it. You, it's it's mostly pain running. The the nice side of running is the is the feeling afterwards should put that on a t-shirt yeah (laughs) it's It's, mostly pain running it's mostly pain but the reason it's beautiful and great is because of what that pain gives you would you agree with that i always just say to people why not you can brag about something like this for the rest of your life you can you really can you're going to be able to say sitting down when you're 18 and all mm. people's home to Deirdre sitting next to you. <laughs> I once ran an ultra marathon or I did an Ironman once or whatever, whatever it may be. I think it's something that you can carry with you forever. Build yourself a CV. Yeah. And whether that's a qualification, you've got a BTEC or you've got an A-level or you've got yeah. a degree. Having 
a 50 mile ultra marathon or an Ironman or a 100 miler or a 75 miler, right. having that on your resume, I feel does exactly the same as having an A-level does. I think, yeah, you're 100% right there because it, anyone who's willing to push themselves through that much pain mm. and train that much for something is obviously a strong-minded person. Mm. Yeah, it's invaluable. It's an invaluable thing. And like you said as well, stories as well. When you're, if you're in 20 years, you're sat awkwardly trying to talk <laughs> to someone, you've got a story. Like, uh, it's the same as when people go, like, speak about their, like, what traveling they've done and stuff like that. You've got the ultra marathon to talk about. You've, you've got these things to, and it's worth it for that. It shows a willingness to commit, I think. 100%. So where do you want to go from now then? I think, well, I've got the Lakeland Ultra, which is a 50k with my friend Dylan Quinn. Shout out Dylan Shout Quinn. Shout out Dylan. I know you'll be listening to this, brother. He's another one that's a bit crazy as well because he hasn't even done a marathon yet. And we've got this in a few months. <sighs> right, okay. Uh, yeah, we're all weirdos <laughs> from this area, Ben. Let's um, not chat about that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think ultra runners have one common madness or one common personality trait? Uh, I just think it's commitment. I really do. I think it's commitment and I think it is being strong mentally, like mental fortitude and the idea of going through things that are difficult, mm -hmm. but then coming out and succeeding. Basically just what you summed up with your story, to be honest, mate, when you were saying, look, I'm not giving up because I can't go home and I can't tell my mates that I failed. I think as people as well, we're, we have something in us that ensures movement and like we have that impetus to do something. Everyone feels rubbish if they don't do anything or if they sit still or if they if they lie in too long or whatever. But I feel like people like me and you, we have that to an extreme. Whereas if we were sat still, like you were saying before, your schedule's mad. Like you've only been doing this podcast since Christmas, you said. Mm. And you've already had loads of people on. And this afternoon, you're going back to Chester and doing a radio show, aren't you? So I think people like me and you and anyone who does ultra marathons and my friend Dylan... We cram a lot into our schedule, and if we sit still for too long, we feel like we're we're not doing enough. Does that annoy you sometimes? The fact that you can't sit still. It does, yeah. yeah. I think I've always had that issue with you. Yeah, I would like to be able just to chill. Sometimes I would like just mm, to be able to relax, I and I do that. sometimes. But I do sit down, and if I'm taking a little bit of time to myself, I always feel like someone is doing something why am I not doing it yeah do you use Strava I do use Strava it's it's good obviously for the for what it for what it does I mean it records your run it tells you your minute miles your time <clears throat> um, how far you've gone etc but sometimes I don't really like it because it sort of makes running too Instagrammy. do you yeah, know what I mean okay. it sort of makes it a little bit of a I'm a, I've only done this to put on Strava mm. which kind of is contradictory to what I said before about other people's opinion. I asked the question, mate, because I don't use it. You don't at use all. it, really? No. How um, because I don't like seeing something. Oh, I see. And right. then thinking they're doing something and I'm not. Mm. I've got a big group of mates that I do triathlon with, and I know that if I went on Strava and they had done a big day, a big brick session, a big bike, and then to a run. Is that what it's, what's A it? brick session, yeah. So, yeah, so like a bike followed by a, a run is like a brick workout. God. If they had done something like that, and I'd seen it and I hadn't done anything, then I'd just be like, I'd start doubting myself really? as well. Yeah. As soon as there's some sort of self-doubt in your head, that's it. And that's what it sounded like you were kind of on the edge of when mm. your arms around your dad, you said, look, I've given up. 
I always think of it as, do you ever watch Dragon Ball Z when you were a kid? No, I've probably, heard of that though. Maybe okay, I've so seen like, it. Or like, I don't know, like Harry Potter or something. Yeah, Say right. like two wizards are having a battle with yeah. a wand and there's like a, you know, yeah, in I the middle it, yeah. there's that ball. And that ball is going to go one way or the other. Yeah. And one side's self-doubt and one side or, is commitment and the fact that you're going to do it. If that gets over that 50% mark, if that self-doubt gets right down, it mm. starts wiping out that. Sounds like you were nearly down there, uh, but suddenly that commitment level came back and you wanted was, to get it done. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's like a constant tug of war between greatness and weakness, quitting and succeeding. It's like the defining round at the end of a boxing match or something. Yeah. How did it feel when you crossed the line at the end of that 50-mile ultra? It's almost like... It feels like... It's weird because at the end of the run, all there is... Physically and like in reality, all there is is a tent. There's a few people. There's your mum and dad clapping, but it feels like I don't know. It feels like some like it's the most <laughs> important thing in the world. Yeah. It's the only thing that's going on, and it's like a mad sense of achievement, isn't it? Mm. And you feel like I don't know. You just feel like an absolute hero, don't you? Yeah, you feel great, don't you? And you you will chase that for sure mm. because no matter how many people you finish in front of you're always going to be chasing that feeling. Yeah. And realistically, it doesn't matter how many people are there no. because, again, it's that feeling of self-achievement and the mm. fact that, actually, this is all on you. There's not much mm. in this life that is entirely on you. No. Work, not entirely on you. There's right. outside factors. There's bosses. There's, you know, lots of things could happen in a job yeah. to stop you going from where you want to go to. You can be as committed as you want. Sometimes it just don't work out. School, again, you could have a bad teacher. Mm. If you had a better teacher, you might have got a better grade. But with something like that, with an athletic event, you're on your own. You're on your own. And it's totally down to you. Yeah. And if you fail, guess what? It's your fault. Yeah. That's it. You're right. You're, that's cool because that's you it. literally cannot blame anyone else. It's quite lonely as well. Mm. When you're sort of on your own, like when I was chatting to you, it was good because you could take each other's mind off it and that. But when you're on your own in the mountains... And the rain is pouring, man. You're in a dark place. That's when that self-doubt starts coming in, though, It does, it? yeah. It's like, yeah. why am I here? What am I doing this yeah. for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You have a hundred questions that you, that you ask yourself. You're like, why are you doing this? You're not good enough to be doing this. You haven't done the right training. And you just got to try and blank out all of that and mm. fight through it. And when you do, it's worth it because you'll have an insane feeling. It doesn't matter if you're doing a 5K, a 10K, a marathon or an ultra marathon, if you push through that pain barrier, you will get an insanely good feeling. Massive thanks to Tom for coming on and sharing his experience. I really like that episode, actually. I think we're going to do more sort of race reports like that as well. So you may have noticed there was no episode last week. Our schedule is slightly changing. Uh, We're now going to go bi-weekly, so every other Wednesday you will get a brand new episode. We will throw in a couple of bonus episodes from time to time as well. But that is the main schedule, bi-weekly, brand new episodes of Why in the World. In the meantime, make sure you do go and follow our Instagram account at Pod. Pop us a follow and I will follow you back on there. And if you haven't given us a rating and a review yet, please go and get that done on iTunes. Five star would be preferable.